0: Welcome to the 35th episode of Total Pod Mode, your weekly gaming podcast. My name is Will, and I also go by Hoodafunk, and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow gaming enthusiast, James. AKA Mr.
1: Bames. What's going on, you alluringly ostentatious advarks Coming up this episode,
0: we've got our weekly regular games catch up, moving on to our gaming news section, packed with two big pieces of Nintendo related news. We'll then round off the news with a delve back into the long delayed Suicide Squad release, and we'll end the episode with another part to Completionist Corner, where this week we head back into the world of Rapture, this time in the still toe cap boots of a big daddy, in Bioshock 2 Remastered. But before we crack on with the catch up, James, let's lay out the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pop Mode.
1: We also post regular video content of our playthrough stream highlights as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode.
0: You can also find us on Twitter by searching
1: for at TotalPodMode, all one word. And whilst you're there you can find me at MrBames and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM.
0: And you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash
1: So James, have you been able to put much time into any games this week? So, well, you may remember that last week I was in a bit of a conundrum. I was between games, didn't really know what to do. We had a little chat. We, we speculated that, you know, Bloodborne might be an option.
0: We did indeed, yeah.
1: And I think there was also potentially talk of Risen 2 from my side. But then I was looking through my games and it just popped out at me and I was like, oh, sh! I'm going to play you. I choose- kingdoms of amalur re-reckoning oh
0: nice i did not see
1: that coming that wasn't on the cards ironically given the game's kind of about fate I just i saw it and i was like you know yeah i'll find so giving that a go and yeah it took me eight hours to make a character because it's an rpg and i take these things very seriously
0: understandable absolutely
1: but yeah then it's been an absolute blast since for our listeners i played this game when it first came out in 2012 i was hyped for it i actually i think i might even have pre-ordered it
0: that's right this was the first time i'd ever actually seen or played this game was actually a Around your flat at the time i'd never uh never delved into it before i guess i did wasn't even aware at the time that it was new out
1: no so the only reason i was aware of it is because i don't know if it was the two guys that wrote it and made it or two of the guys that wrote it and made it but they used to work um for Bethesda on the Elder Scrolls series. Right, okay. I hope I'm not misremembering, but I think they were sort of high up in the design team for Morrowind and Oblivion and things like that. So so the world-building pedigree was there.
0: Fine. That's interesting that you say that because two of the things that really sucked me into the game straight away wasn't to do with world-building at all. It was more the art style and the look of the combat, actually, yeah. because the combat looked very fluid and I really liked the art style that kind of looked like a slightly cartoony take on things, but it was done in a really nicely drawn way. It just worked really well for me.
1: What I thought of it at the time and what still kind of holds true is at the time I was looking for a World of Warcraft style game that was single player and was like an open world RPG type thing. This is exactly what this is. And as you've alluded to there, the combat in this game is excellent. The sort of freedom of choice you have to create a character, any character you want. You can you can be standard warrior, you can be standard rogue, standard mage, you can be a mix of all of them. You can pick the powers you want from each tree and things and just sort of custom build what you want. And then that affects what? fate you have essentially which is just additional ability so i'm going pure mage because it's op <laughs> basically it's really right fun. <laughs> um, and when you sort of get high up the mage tree if you like you get things like it costs less mana to do your spells, you get additional mana. I think I've got plus 30% at the moment or something and I've still got another two levels to go. Mana regen and my dodge has turned into a blink which has then evolved into an ice blink which then later on will become an even stronger ice blink. So it's just like really cool little additional things like that.
0: And I remember that the weapon variation in the game is pretty strong as well. I used to like the spinning disc moves that you can do.
1: Uh, that could be one of two weapons so I don't quite know how to react to oh, that. I think
0: yes. it, it was, they were kind of throne style i think like a chakrams
1: that'll be there. that was yeah. it
0: yeah yeah they were awesome
1: yeah i'm actually using them again now because each class archetype has three weapon types associated well three or four depending on what you want to class as a weapon because there's a scepter in the mage thing but it's, it kind of i don't class it as a weapon even though it is mage has staff scepter and the chakrams and the chakrams are just wicked like you say they're just like you could they're quite long range on them but when you unlock different moves them, there's like a charge spinny attack that almost if you think master sword in the old zelda games where you charge it let it go and it does like a massive arc you can sort of do that but the blades spin around you and then spin wider and do loads of damage it's really cool and yeah as you say a lot of the weapon types are great in this game and every single one is viable, which is another thing I like in a game.
0: And for the most part obviously has their own moveset, which is really fun.
1: Not for the most part, they do all have their own moveset, yeah. Yeah, it's great. And you can um, combo from one weapon into another, because you can have two weapons equipped at the same time and you can combo.
0: Yeah, exactly that, and that can unlock some really really cool moves that you can mix and match together with each other.
1: Especially as you can juggle people as well, so you can just do some cool stuff.
0: And for people unfamiliar with this game, it's, just, it's like a third person perspective and it almost presents a little bit like a hack and slash obviously with a strong RPG heading to it. It's definitely not very comparable to any of the Elder Scrolls games in terms of much from that. I'm not really sure what transferred over um, from Elder Scrolls if anything at all. It
1: is the world building. Right. Like yeah, You can yeah. see that the elves in this one are clearly inspired by the dark elves and things from the Elder Scrolls and the there's a human tribe called the Varani who are just Nords. Like, it's okay. just, it yeah. just the Nords. Nice. Uh, so, so they do have little nods like that. And the way the game's designed in terms of there's lore books everywhere that you can actually read and some of them are multiple pages long and actually stories and there's some fun ones as well. It's very, very similar in terms of the world. And yeah, I've played it once when it first came out and then I also played it again on Xbox a number of years later. This is the first time I've played the remastered version. Honestly I don't see any difference. <laughs> I mean, it looks the same None to me. at all? No, none at all, honestly. I, I
0: think that that's more a sign of just how well the graphics have aged given that art style. I think it really does help a game's age when they don't go for photorealism?
1: Probably, yeah. That's a very fair point. Yeah, I'm just trying, trying desperately to think if there's anything I've noticed that's different. Like maybe some of the water textures look a bit better. You know, I, I, I'm i seeing it through my mind's eye and nostalgia, I think it looks the same.
0: Sure thing. It'd be interesting to do a side-by-side. I'll probably check that out after recording.
1: Seeing still images side-by-side and to me it looks the same. Like it, it just does. Like if, if I really wanted to do it, I'd fire it up on my Xbox and then have literally have it side-by-side PC in my TV.
0: There's probably just a few more fancy posts processing effects going on in the background and maybe volumetric lighting and who knows would it make a huge difference it often doesn't but you know could be there
1: i'm sure there's a lot that's better don't get me wrong i always loved this game when it came out originally i thought it looked beautiful back then and i still think it looks great so it's probably just my mind being like Ah, no you still think this game's awesome just do it just accept it for what it is it's been really fun i'm probably now about 25 hours in something like that loads to go Big game. I, I remember that much. And there's loads of loot. So I've already got so much money. I'm <laughs> it's amazing. It's very, like, this game's quite broken in a good way. Another hallmark of Elder Scrolls. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that definitely carried over.
1: Although, no, I don't think there's any game breaking bugs. I've only seen one where it was quite funny, where a, a guy was talking to me and then suddenly his head twisted round, like, sort all of right. Style. <laughs> and I tried to screen grab it, but then by the time. I got ready to screen grab it It sort of cut back to a cut scene and it was normal again. Mm. But uh, it's been really fun and, as I say, complete surprise, but there we go. But that is all I've played this week, other than Bioshock 2, which we'll get into later. So how about you, man? Have you had much time to do much this week? Uh, so this week,
0: if we're really stretching the definition of this week, last weekend I actually managed to cram a little bit of time into, and this was my first time ever playing it, cram a little bit of time into
1: Fallout New Vegas. Very nice. So you get shot in the first two seconds. Game you over do, Finn. from
0: Chandler. <laughs> his, name. his name's Benny, but uh it's Chandler Bing from Friends. Oh, is it Matthew Perry, it's, is it? Yeah, Matthew Perry is the one. I didn't voice know that. I was gonna say Benny, I didn't yeah. think
1: his name was Chandler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh <laughs> sh I didn't realise that. Baby, do you not understand the level of game here?
0: We didn't I actually I've got to say, I didn't really engage too much with the storyline because I was going with an RP character who wouldn't have much involvement with the prior storyline. I decided to role play as Jim Leahy from the trailer Park boys, and instead of getting shot, we're just woken up from a blackout drunk session and we had no idea where we were or what we were doing we were suddenly in Fallout New Vegas land he'd gotten so drunk he'd teleported himself through dimensions
1: there you go I am liquor that won't make any sense later on in the game but I'm curious to hear how they, how you get out of that <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i mean for the most part i'm not really engaging too heavily with the storyline of the game i suppose i did progress a little bit of the initial gang that you meet just outside of new vegas itself they're uh they kind of look a little bit like tunnel snake dudes i can't remember the name of the gang now oh the kings the kings is it? yeah that's right i think yeah. that's
1: what they're called something like that because they're based on elvis
0: that's yeah that's right yeah they're all kind of elvis impersonator looking yeah. dudes yeah either yeah, that or the know.
1: leader is called the king it's i can't remember if i'm being honest with you but yeah i know who you mean
0: so uh, i had to do a little bit of that which i was reluctant to do at first because uh is not a fan of gang members and uh they did seem to be you know causing some trouble outside in the wasteland so but reluctantly i did that but my main preoccupation in the game was obviously securing as much liquor as possible i don't know where i felt like i get a little drink
1: right here do you bud
0: of course i was immediately finding every bar that was open robbing them blind from behind the bar uh through either the means of sort of crouching in a random spot where no one can see me and just lifting it off the shelves or carrying the bottles away into another room closing the door behind me and just uh stealing all of them inside there instead so yeah
1: it's that lovely bethesda jank that we love to see
0: yeah no one seems to mind when you just lift a drink off the counter and walk into the other room they just assume that you're just innocently placing it somewhere else
1: nice to know i'm not the only complete um what were they called Kleptomaniac. kleptomaniac yeah
0: yeah (laughs) Leahy <laughs> is a uh, just a kleptomaniac for alcohol. We ended up getting addicted to all of the known boozes in the game. Whiskey, yeah. vodka, beer, wine, bourbon, scotch, brandy. brandy. Uh, yeah, we... we Really smashed it, RPing to the max. Obviously, our main preoccupation was taking out the Naughty Raiders, because they are, you know, the closest we can get to gang members, really. Uh so, so he was mastering
1: quite a lot of that. Oh dude, there's like five gangs in this game. Yeah, you I can know. find gang members if you want. They're really easy as well. Like there's Julius Caesar looking motherfuckers in this game. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, the Legion, right? Yeah,
1: the Legion, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I haven't actually you know, like I said, I only picked this up very early on. Uh very quickly got to New Vegas because I figured probably the best chance. I have of getting the most alcohol in one space there's probably a few bars in New Vegas so uh, good time to rob that was my main calling to go there and by that virtue I then went on to meet the the gang were hanging around there but i didn't actually get onto the legion or any of the other gangs it was really just kind of like it was just one of those evenings where i had a friend over Shao gem and we just decided to stick it on as a kind of like a first taste into the session i got absolutely rinsed by the deathclaws on my first trip out all the way across yeah Yeah, end
1: game enemies (laughs) But we
0: did manage to jimmy our way through it after getting rinsed like maybe 10 times and uh, and actually did get through to the gates through various rock hopping and ducking around buildings and prayers as well. Lots and lots of prayers.
1: Yeah, you'll need those. But
0: yeah, lots and lots of prayers to the Church of the Atom.
1: Gather and behold the power of Atom.
0: So like I said, I really just scratched the surface of New Vegas. Uh, haven't gotten too deep into it at all, uh, but enjoyed what I saw. And also, I played it on the Xbox One and was expecting, you know, it being an Xbox 360 game to look a little rough around the edges. But my God, the upscaling on the Xbox One is fantastic. I'd only ever really seen it in action on Red Dead Redemption 1. But going back and playing Fallout New Vegas on the Xbox One it is fully upscaled and it looks gorgeous. It's outputting a uh, full resolution. Fantastic. Something would be amiss if I didn't talk a little bit about Call of Duty in this episode. So last week I mentioned that I was finishing off the Battle Pass for Season 2. I didn't manage to do that, unfortunately. I think I started on roughly 47% at the start of the week and I finished it on 60%. 6%
1: 6% oh, I think i was way for it. We all wanted you to say 69, Will.
0: Unfortunately, I didn't make the funny number. Not
1: nice. Still pretty good going, though. That's like 20%.
0: Yeah, it was quite a challenge to even get that far, I've got to say. That DMZ mode that I mentioned last week is definitely the best way to earn those points but at the same time you need to play at least two games to kind of unlock up a token and in those games you do need to be quite successful so i was kind of maybe getting one to two tokens an hour Uh, that was probably my average one or two tokens an hour and i tried to put in quite a bit of time obviously that week to get as many as i could i did manage to unlock all of the unique weapons all of the operator skins i wanted as well as the things that i feel like are really good to get like the special execution animation moves that you can unlock and uh any of the war Tracks as well. You want to have your war tracks, which is the songs that you can have playing on the radio whenever you get into a vehicle.
1: Shout outs to Charlie for putting on great tunes whenever we played Warzone.
0: So after finishing the battle pass on a rather disappointing 60-something percent, season three was announced. And I finally got to delve a little bit into that. They seem to be going with kind of like a Mexican cartel theme with this season. Uh I guess building off of the Call of Duty campaign scenario where you actually are involved with uh, Mexican forces at one point you take on the Mexican army and you also hunt down like a cartel leader that's in allegiance with uh, the people that are running nukes so we're carrying on that character after they escape from prison because uh, during the campaign they get arrested this is uh, the intro cutscene is a breakout sequence with her and then you also see another one of the characters that you get to play in the campaign called Alejandro and the cartel leader and Alejandro were the two unlockable operators for this Battle pass. They've added a couple new changes to the way that they do it now. There's a automated option that you can do if you just want to kind of not have to worry about clicking a hundred times on various things to unlock them. You can just set it to auto unlock if you wish. But I actually quite like the way that they've done the battle pass where it's kind of spread out across a map and you can work your way in a path almost a little bit like catchphrase, you can work your way across and kind of unlock the things that you want. So yeah, that's I, I personally like that, but I guess some people get fed up with clicking. Com- please everyone they're trying to yeah uh so and then obviously with that there's a few new maps available for large map modes like ground war there is a couple new maps also available for the multiplayer which uh, i haven't actually got around to playing yet but i'll probably give an update on some point next week the main thing that i noticed with this battle pass which seems to be quite interesting is there's two tiers to it there's obviously the regular battle pass that you can buy and then there's also the the
1: premium battle pass
0: Exactly, there is. There's a <laughs> yeah. sort of a premium option that you can buy, and that's called the Black Cell Pass. You get like a, an extra bundle of Call of Duty points and various bits and pieces. But interestingly, what it also seems to do is all of the skins that you can unlock on the Battle Pass, it unlocks a black and gold variant of it. Some of them look pretty cool. I quite like them. It looks pretty good with the uh, the cartel themed operator outfits that you get with this new Battle Pass as well. They're looking pretty swanky. Oh, I so say. Did you go for it then. Oh, I did. Yeah, just, you know I'm yeah, in. You went for the premium. Oh, I'm not giving up on Call of Duty anytime soon. I gotta unlock uh, there's one operator, it looks like a zombie, James. I gotta get my glowing zombie.
1: <laughs> Just uh, this doesn't have to go on the pod. How much was it does that of interest? I think it was like twenty four quid.
0: It was eight quid for the battle pass, twenty four for the upgraded one. But it does get you Ooh, and cool. So thirty two. No 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 it was twenty four
1: or eight on its own and then it becomes twenty four. Twenty four with the premium, 24. yeah. Okay, yeah. cool, cool
0: also included in that balance is something like 1100 or 1200 cod points which i think has a monetary value of about eight quid as well yeah so if you were to remove that considering i will probably spend that already it's uh,
1: it's 16 quid
0: which is double the price of the battle bus
1: no but if you're into it that's... i'm
0: trying to kind of maximize the bang for my buck here i'm not one of those people that really goes out of their way to get every single skin that they can but i did want to splash out a little bit on this given the amount of time that i'm currently playing of Duty. Uh it's been a minute since I've really thought about buying anything new other than Resident Evil four, which seems to have just kind of got lost on the back shelves since uh, you know, we've been working on the completionist corner and uh Call of Duty Battle Pass time came round and I needed to try and finish everything off.
1: Oh, and you got another game coming out in two weeks that you're looking forward to I know, we'll cover, we'll cover I later. Know,
0: so I really need to get a move on and well, number one, I really need to get a move on on complete Breath of the Wild, I think. Because you've when you've still not done that. I thought you no no no. I've still got my last final boss to do oh, damn. i think the path is to crack on with breath of the wild then complete resident evil 4 and pray that i do that in time for tears of the kingdom to come out
1: but you've just spent money on a battle pass so you're not going to do that <laughs> call of
0: duty is like a background game for me sort of thing it's just i'll always play it in my spare time if i've got nothing else to do stick on a few matches of call of duty Fair.
1: spare time with three games to complete though That's...
0: <laughs> <laughs> and completionist's corner as well yeah so there's also a couple of new modes coming along to this new season of the Call of Duty multiplayer, you've got gunfight mode which uh, is like Isn't a... Isn't
1: that the whole f-ing game? <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong there. <laughs> it's always a gunfight. There's this new mode where you fight with guns. Oh, is it? Okay, cool. <laughs> sorry, sorry I interrupted you there. So this is a,
0: it's an iconic 2v2 mode is returning and it's sure to make for high octane moments of combat according to the Call of duty.com website.
1: There you
0: go. So 2v2 is actually a really fun mode to play uh, just with a buddy on microphone. Phones. It's a really organised way of playing. It feels very tight, and uh you know, it really does rely on skill and communication. And in its purest forms,
1: very cool. I must admit, I thought that was in the base game.
0: Oh uh, no, it's it was something that I think that was added shortly after the release of the original Modern Warfare, and it's obviously made a comeback in this one.
1: Uh, yeah, as I say, I, I thought it was just part of the standard because you have like solo. It was trios actually, rather than duos, I suppose. Uh, so I just assumed it'd be there. But hey, fair.
0: One of the other game modes that sounds pretty interesting is called. So this is a new game mode (laughs) that takes Team Deathmatch and amps up the intensity by putting a countdown on any operator who earns an elimination. So at this point, you shoot someone, and unless you kill someone else, very quickly, you're going to explode. So that's going to be an interesting mechanic that forces you to... Well, I guess it's it's certainly going to prevent any form of camping or anything like that. It's going to force everyone to be a lot more run and gun, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty uh, hectic, that. Especially if the explosions can then kill as well. I
0: wonder if you could get that explosion to kill another player I wonder if you can possibly time it so that's what I mean yeah yeah
1: but then will you be cranked as soon as you come back to life because you have killed someone
0: I imagine not I think you would start on a status of uncranked All until right. you kill someone again
1: loophole We found a loophole, everyone.
0: Never kill someone, but that's not really the game, is it? Just hide in a corner. Always
1: kill someone, just keep (laughs) dying and killing and dying and killing. It's a loophole, and a loop. Uh,
0: I mean, so there is a a huge list of updates and changes that come along with this game. Many bug fixes, various things with weapons, balancing changes, all of which can be found on the Call of Duty website, uh, so I won't go into the details there, but I think that I'm looking forward to what this season has to offer, and I'm already enjoying my uh, fancy new operator skins, I gotta say. It's
1: the main gotta look good clothes treat yourself fragrances treat yourself massages treat yourself mimosas treat yourself fine leather goods treat yourself okay man
0: i think that's about us done for the catch-up should we move on to the gaming news
1: yes (laughs) so that sounded like a question yes let's yeah i don't know why i asked that So our first
0: article of this week from nintendolife.com, Nintendo Live event announced for 2023. With E3 cancelled this year, and future plans for the large-scale gaming expo remaining unclear, you'd be forgiven for thinking that this is the end for large-scale in-person gaming marketing and promotion events. You'd be wrong though, as this week Nintendo announced plans for Nintendo Live to take place this year, the year of our Lord Miyazaki. In 2023.
1: I thought 2022 was the year of our Lord Miyazaki.
0: It's always the year of our Lord Miyazaki, James.
1: Praise be to him.
0: So Nintendo Live is described as an all-ages celebration of Nintendo fun by the official website. The event was first held in Kyoto, Japan in 2018. It then returned in 2019 before taking a two-year break. Uh, I assumed you to. Why the was that? <laughs> yeah, what
1: was that about?
0: <laughs> it then made its way to Tokyo in 2022. This time, the event will be held for the first time in North America, taking place sometime in September 2023 in Seattle, Washington. Here's what Nintendo itself has said to expect from its 2023 Nintendo Live event. So, there's going to be a gaming competitions. There is going to be obviously a live stage with various performance and photo opportunities with some of your favorite Nintendo characters, sculptures, faithfully bringing in-game worlds to the real life and other fun stuff. There's also going to be a couple of tournaments running so you can cheer on top competitors as they go for the gold in high-level play. So, um, you know, I'm assuming that this will probably have a Smash Ultimate tournament going. Who knows? There may well be a Pokemon thing. I don't know whether they that's a thing. That would, I, I, I doubt knows. it. Maybe.
1: <laughs> maybe, but I doubt it. I think you're probably looking at more things like that, um, the Wii Sports thing that isn't Wii Sports. Nintendo Switch Sports, is that what it's called? Yeah, Switch Sports. Yeah, yeah. they'll
0: be like that. Oh, I can't wait to see high-level play for Switch Bowling.
1: Get some of that Splatoon 3 up there as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout.
0: Yeah, Splatoon, yeah. I I think, you know, personally, I always look forward to the outcome of a Smash tournament as well, and I think that's probably the most likely contender, given its popularity with the fan audience.
1: Or Mario Party. They won't do it, but that would be sick.
0: Also, we're probably likely to see Mario Kart, actually, as well.
1: Yeah, they're still flogging 8, aren't they? Because they're just releasing DLC through, I think.
0: They are. They're rehashing and re-releasing a load of old tracks as well, provided you have the Nintendo... Online premium account. Of course,
1: of course, yeah.
0: I don't know whether it's available as separate DLC, but I would actually be quite interested in picking it up if it were available as separate DLC. I'm just not keen on spending that monthly cost, considering the value that you get just for a regular base Nintendo subscription. So I think that, you know, this is an interesting one, given the recent discussion that we had around D3 being cancelled. A lot of the talk in the article that we read described a sort of a, a relook at in-person events, moving things away to much more online events, and we also mentioned that a lot of other gaming companies already have their own, online events nintendo direct being one of them so i was you know a little surprised i got to say myself that they're actually doing this in-person event just given the current climate for these types of things
1: i really wasn't i have to say because as you've mentioned there they've done it every year with the exception of pandemic and by all accounts i believe they were all very successful so absolutely no surprise to me whatsoever this is happening the thing that does surprise me is that it's in the us i think that's a cool step but not a step i was expecting be interesting to see how well it does given that because obviously nintendo and japan's a different kettle of fish yeah yeah good on them
0: next up in the news a new tears of the kingdom pre-launch trailer just dropped so in advance of the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom release for the nintendo switch a new trailer has dropped to show off some of the new features and gameplay Tears of the Kingdom is currently slated for a May 12th release, and Nintendo has released the final pre-launch trailer on the 13th of April.
1: Indeed.
0: So, obviously, you know, as you'd imagine, the main focus of this trailer is Link traversing the world by foot and glider using his signature glider from breath of the
1: world and wingsuit i noticed in there that's not that's that's pretty deep as well
0: we also see ganon's castle rising from the ground looking evil as ever and we even get a few glimpses at ganondorf in his new form you witness a king's revival and the birth of his new world
1: Yeah, which I thought was cool because, I, I mean, obviously I haven't finished Breath of the World, but I don't recall seeing Ganondorf at all in Breath of the World. Yeah, that's it was right. It all Calamity Ganon, isn't it? Calamity so Ganon. No is, yeah, yeah, that's
0: right. Calamity Ganon and then just various different kind of boss forms that have taken over yeah. uh, the Divine Beasts. So we're actually getting to see Ganondorf in physical form this time and he looks awesome, I think. I'm yeah, really did, excited by great. his design.
1: Yeah, he looked great. I've got to
0: say. The kind of like loads of red dreads that he's got on his back. He looks like an absolute badass. So also in the footage, you get to see a few new creatures. Uh, One of those I noticed was chopping wood uh, that you can see in the background. You can also see some sort of slime thing fighting another one of the creatures in the game, which I thought was quite cool because there wasn't too much interaction between the various tribes in the game. They were often quite separate. And whenever they were together, they'd often be sort of working along in harmony. So this gives the world a bit more of an ambient feel if you walk into environments where there's already people battling, already things going on. I think the same thing again in terms of uh, the woodchoppers and various things that are just kind of walking around the environment doing pre-programmed activities. It'll go a long way, I think, in terms of making the world feel a lot less deserted and a lot more alive.
1: I hope so, because you've just hit the nail on the head there the world does feel very deserted beautiful though it is in breath of the wild it did look from this trailer that there's going to be a bit more compaction in that so fingers crossed that isn't just in set areas and actually spreads throughout the world we
0: also get to see a few new puzzle mechanics involving floating spheres of water that link's able to kind of jump and float within and i assume that they move and then you can hop out of again we also get to see a little bit of footage of laser beams that link must avoid using a wingsuit as he falls down a tunnel and there's also a section where it looks like the jump is gravity is altered for a little bit of different style platforming so i noticed that whenever link was doing a jump in certain sections around like a glimmering aura he uh, was getting extended jumps or at least comparatively to what the jumps used to look like in breath of the Wild. so we're starting to get a glimpse into some of the mechanics here which i'm particularly interested about we also get to see a tiny glimpse into link's fusing system in the game as we see it looks like link uses his sword that's fitted with a shield to parry an attack as opposed to blocking the attack that's quite an interesting one for me this fuse mechanic, it adds abilities that you will take various different items in the game and combine them together Uh, you can do stuff like if you get a cloud spore and you attach it to a shield then an enemy can attack it and it'll create a cloud of dust you can then use that to get a critical sneak attack on them there's you know a few more combat mechanics going on there and it sounds like this fusing ability is going to be really really fun you can take like a like a tree branch and a stone and combine them together to make a crude hammer uh, and, and various things like that so i'm really excited for the potential there for what you can actually do with that i'll be interested to see if you could then take that crude hammer and combine it with another thing to add an effect to it for instance but i think that that's definitely got a lot of legs this and uh will really really add to the kind of sandboxy feel that i feel like breath of the Wild already pulls off really well this is gonna just add a whole new dimension to it
1: i probably agree I think we discussed it when we first talked about Tears of the Kingdom being announced, and I was curious to see a bit more of it before I made sort of informed judgement. I still kind of feel that way even having seen this trailer. I didn't see too much that got me thinking of really cool things, although I did see, we did get to see some vehicle stuff, which we speculated would be quite a cool thing if they were sort of fusing some of that.
0: Yes, and the vehicle thing looks interesting there, because we're now seeing a different vehicle with a similar base platform, but he's stacked a large block on top yeah. of it this time, and what looks like some sort of makeshift arm on the side of it, which was kind of flopping weirdly. So all that to me looks very much like we can do some sort of block combining to make these vehicles or at least not perhaps in the sense where I was talking in the previous episode where we mentioned that you could even make like a bike by combining two wheels and a, and a shaft but it looks like you will have a base with four wheels on it that you can then combine with other things to make different shaped vehicles. Yeah, That looks
1: awesome. I mean this motherfucker looked like a Flintstones block of flats to me. It really That's did. What it looked like. yeah. yeah
0: And it was attacking uh, like a group of, of enemies that were sat on top of a giant stone golem as well so all very intriguing we also get to see a couple of link's new powers one of them being a sort of handheld rocket that shoots him up into the sky one of the other abilities we get to see is uh, link catching a projectile in mid-air and actually reversing the trajectory of it so i'm immediately thinking of the various applications that that will have for puzzles very much looking forward to seeing that in conjunction with some of the new powers absolutely loads to look forward to in tis the kingdom okay so our third and final article of the day Suicide Squad gets another massive delay this time and it might be gaming's newest cursed blockbuster so this is from Kotaku.com Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League the upcoming online co-op action shooter from Rocksteady has officially been delayed from its planned May release until February 2024
1: therefore can we still really call it upcoming
0: this must be the longest upcoming game yeah. that has ever upcomed
1: yeah, except for uh, that Duke New- game that took like 11 yeah years right okay yeah no yeah Part that from probably that one, hasn't though. been to
0: be fair yeah, yeah. and maybe too human yes that's true that was stuck for a long long time and crackdown 3
1: no no let's not play this game (laughs) (laughs) but yes it's definitely up there and this and blockbuster is the key word all the games i've just mentioned there probably weren't considered blockbusters but i don't think so no
0: so this follows a report of a previous delay back in march and the release of new gameplay footage in february that was met with a flood of negative reactions from fans and critics alike on thursday this week following a march report about a possible delay from bloomberg warner bros games and rocksteady officially confirmed that their suicide squad game has been delayed until february 2nd 2024 they go on to say we have made the tough but necessary decision to take the time needed to work on getting the game to be the best quality experience for players thank you to our amazing community for the continued support patience and understanding um that seems like an over exaggeration of the uh, community reaction to the support and patience
1: i guess patience kinda Kinda patient.
0: I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, to be fair, I think after the sort of slew of rushed and early released games, most people are very much at the standpoint now: take as much time as you need to make this game the good thing that we hope and want it to be.
1: Yeah, but for God's sake, if it's crap when it comes out, you're going to get it. Basically, <laughs> yeah. basically, yeah.
0: That's that's kind of the uh, yeah the environment at the moment. Yeah. They go on to say that there is so much more to share in the months ahead, and we look forward to seeing you in Metropolis next year.
1: I don't think it's going to come out in February either calling it it's going to be delayed till 2025 well this is an
0: interesting one because back in march as we covered last time bloomberg reporter Jason schreier explained that the short delay was likely not intended to overhaul the core gameplay and would instead just be about polishing what was already present However, the delay that's been recently announced does sort of bring into question just what they're actually planning to do with this. Based on this report, removing all of the live service aspects seems unrealistic at this point and will probably require a much longer delay than a year.
1: 100%.
0: Well James, you've just gone ahead and said it, you don't think they're going to make it to February. Just how much of the live service aspects do you think are going to come out, if any?
1: I wouldn't be surprised if most of it actually stays in and is just reformed into something that they can call something else, honestly. But then I'm a cynic, so I don't know but yeah I just think that if you've delayed it for six to nine months the first time right for polish and now you've delaying it for what another six to nine months nine months ten months something like that they're not polishing are they
0: no they're definitely not polishing this one's a stinker I don't
1: know if it's it probably won't be a rebuild there's no way they'd get that done in time but could they be building a new shell of an idea that they can just input the other bits into and make something a little bit less off-putting for the fans maybe
0: yeah maybe can condensing things down or yeah. releasing things in a bit more of a faster way I've you know yeah. got really no idea what they're hoping to do with this but this game has really been in development hell for quite some time it really does remain to be seen whether we'll actually see this in February as far as I'm concerned as well I think I'm with you there yeah
1: and real genuine serious question here does this game have enough sort of hype behind it that it's actually going to then be well accepted even if it it's does worth all good?
0: these delays because
1: <laughs> what was the other, what's the other Gotham Knights that got delayed And that went down like a pile of sh like that's not done much. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You was never heard from again. Yeah.
1: So is this just gonna be another one of them? I mean it's already gonna be four years late by the time it comes out.
0: Well I can only assume that they're hoping to avoid another situation like that by actually putting some goodwill behind this one, unlike Gotham Knights, but that remains to be seen
1: yeah it'd be very interesting to see this because they kind of need the win
0: they kind of do and honestly i really hope they get it as well because i liked uh, a lot of the previous rocksteady titles the arkham series was honestly up there with some of my favorite games at a certain point in my life so you know i would really like to see this new one do well and inject a kind of much needed breath of fresh air into this franchise
1: yeah fingers crossed they can do it because i've got a lot of respect for rocksteady as well
0: Okay, man, that's us wrapped up for the gaming news. I think it's time we moved on to Completionist Corner. So this week, James and I delved once again back into the world of Bioshock 2. Without further ado, let's hit it off. So Bioshock 2 takes place in the same location as Bioshock 1 in the dystopian underwater city called Rapture. For those who don't know or who have forgotten our coverage of the first game in our challenge last year, Rapture is a city founded by a man called Andrew Ryan. Andrew Ryan was a wealthy man who made his money from striking all on his property above land. Over his life, he began to hate the ideas of socialism and collectivism as he regarded those who benefited unfairly from these ideologies as parasites, and you'll often hear him calling people the dregs of society within Rapture as parasites. Andrew Ryan's philosophy was one where a person can only own what they have earned and he sought a life away from the politics and religion of the world and founded Rapture the underwater city as a haven from the world above there he was free to promote and enforce his own ideals ideologies and beliefs
1: which are clearly really really sort of well adjusted he sounds like such a good guy from that doesn't he jeez
0: absolutely yeah what better way to well adjust yourself than uh, lock yourself underground and seal off all contact from the world above
1: now you see when you put it like that that actually sounds kind of appealing but fair play (laughs) so work began on rapture in 1945 and it opened to great initial success in 1946 it was a place for experimentation advancements and new ways of thinking therefore it attracted many talented individuals they were attracted there due to the promises of a place where those who work hard can succeed the scientists and engineers of rapture began to develop technology well beyond the understanding or capabilities of their above world counterparts much of these discoveries were catalyzed by the discovery of a substance called adam which is harvested from a special type of deep sea slug which is gross but trust me it does make sense when you get in the context of the story (laughs) once processed adam is a volatile genetic substance that has the ability to rewrite genetic material allowing the user or taker to alter their body their genetic makeup and their natural abilities
0: so despite rapture's initial success it ended up becoming a capitalistic greed-filled city where those who exploited the freedoms of rapture were performing extremely unethical experiments manipulating the market and economy for profit and exploiting workers the cracks obviously began to appear in rapture society as the poor were starving and unhappy with no way out from their poverty, thanks to Andrew Ryan's dislike of social programs and charities, and the rich were regarded as cold-hearted and elitist, so there's a a massive class divide going on there and a lot of civil unrest.
1: Yeah. Some years after opening between 1948 and 1952, Adam was discovered by a scientist called Dr. Bridget Tennebaum, who then refined Adam into a serum called a plasmid. And these plasmids can be used to give people supernatural abilities, such as producing flames from their hands, telekinesis, mind control, a little bit of zappy zappy as well.
0: Yeah, you know, well, I mean, I remember based on a lot of the cartoons and promotions for these events, they come from a a pretty interesting 1940s perspective where the animations are typically like a berated husband and his wife is telling him off hitting him with a rolling pin and then
1: he sets her on fire. Yeah, the decoy one's good for that because you get the little decoy (laughs) video and it's like... Are you getting bothered by your wife? This is obviously not, it doesn't say this, but it's basically what it's saying. Are you getting bothered by your wife? Just put up a decoy and she'll hit that with a rolling pin instead. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, dear me. But the invention of these plasmids, uh, which are fueled by a separate chemical called Eve, Adam and Eve, uh, See, uh, ushered in a golden age of productivity within Rapture, and for a short time things were real good there. Nice place to be. It's a hell of a drug. However,
0: the discovery of Adam and the invention of plasmids were both a blessing and a curse for Rapture. I know over time it was discovered that plasmids are actually extremely addictive in a short space of time and users would need to consume more and more adam to stave off the degradation of their bodies and minds coupled with the fact that withdrawal from adam could also cause people to go mentally
1: insane so to cut a long story short society in rapture began to collapse due to the worsening living conditions increasing restrictions on inhabitants and harsh punishments for people classed as problem citizens note people going insane and for overuse of adam
0: well i think that the people classed as problem citizens in this case are more just, like, poor people oh, that, that aren't too. living up to rapture standards. That too, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're begging on the street uh, trying to stick you in the spiky container Let's fire a torpedo at you
1: a struggle for leadership broke out between the founder Andrew Ryan and a man called Frank Fontaine who following the Adam craze and his familiarity with smuggling began to build a criminal empire in Rapture tensions between Ryan and Fontaine increased to the point where Fontaine was killed as part of his attempted arrest by Ryan following Fontaine's supposed death a new revolutionary appeared called Atlas who in 1958 stirred up the inhabitants of Rapture against Andrew Ryan and a civil war eventually broke out. The war involved a plasmid fueled arms race as each side sought to outdo the other in terms of firepower.
0: By 1960, Fontaine, now posing as Atlas, was really feeling the pressure of Ryan's legion of pheromone controlled splicers and in a last ditch effort to turn the tide in his favour, he summons a man called Jack, who is the protagonist of the first game, to track down and kill ryan finally allowing fontaine to take over the city i mean at this point rapture is severely damaged and teetering on the verge of total collapse water is constantly leaking in and splices just roam aimlessly around rapture looting or killing everything in sight automated repair systems and giant mechanical beings called big daddies keep the city from completely falling apart
1: Big Daddies are large, lumbering, heavily armoured monstrosities that somewhat resemble a large human in an early diving suit. Big old helmet, basically. These monsters were created by a man called Yi Su Chong, who was one of the many scientists working in Rapture. The primary goal of the Big Daddy is to accompany and protect genetically modified children known as Little Sisters. Yeah, it is as f***ed up as it sounds. Little Sisters were created by Bridget Tenenbaum, who, if you'll remember, was the discoverer of Adam and the creator of plasmids, as we mentioned before. Little Sisters resemble normal young girls however their skin is an unhealthy grey colour and their eyes glow a faint yellow
0: very creepy, unsettling and they sound very creepy as well
1: come on Mr. B time to find some angels they do, I think we touched on this in the, uh, on the challenge review as well they kind of sound like a little girl's voice with like a gruff man's voice dubbed underneath it
0: yeah it's like a deep yeah yeah. you get
1: that echo effect it's really cool and it's very effective
0: and the big daddies themselves sound very creepy actually as well that's done by slowing down a lot of audio recordings of people in pain oh is that what it is you can actually go on youtube and hear the noises reversed and sped up to actually give the actual original lines it's quite interesting (laughs) it's
1: like "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) but these little sisters they were made to extract the Adam substance from the dead using a needle and then they drink some of the Adam and are able to reprocess it into a usable form Tenenbaum's idea was that the little sisters roam the halls of rapture collecting Adam under the protection of big daddies and in doing so this would address the shortages in supply of Adam that is obviously now extremely valued in rapture due to its use for plasmids and the like
0: use for plasmids highly addictiveness and the fact that there isn't really very much new Adam coming in now the fact that there's a civil war taking place exactly
1: got an arms race to feed guys
0: Bioshock 1 covers the story of Jack, who was summoned by Fontaine to kill Andrew Ryan. When Jack draws near, Andrew Ryan, in a final attempt to prevent Fontaine from gaining control of the city, activates a self-destruct system for all of Rapture. Jack does finally manage to kill Andrew Ryan and stop the self-destruct sequence, then is then commanded via mind control to turn over control of Rapture Central and the whole city to Atlas. At this point, Fontaine reveals himself, his Atlas persona having been a con all along, and he betrays Jack by ordering his execution
1: yes but we weren't standing in front of that no we escaped the mind control and we managed to escape rapture but not before finally killing fontaine jack travels by bathysphere to the surface where he depending on the ending the player got takes control of a nuclear submarine with the aid of a horde of splicers, or leaves rapture with his rescued little sisters to live out his life in peace which is the ending i did in the challenge as you may remember
0: that's right and i think that canonically we're probably going with that as the ending to bioshock one
1: Ah, nuclear sub sounds more fun doesn't it
0: it does sound more fun <laughs> with a love. Lump- bunch of splices that are now on your side now as we come back to bioshock 2 which takes place roughly 8 to 10 years after the events of the first game in 1968 we enter the clunky boots of a long dead alpha series big daddy known as subject delta so the alpha series being one of the initial big daddies created by the scientists by rapture and uh you know as a result we're pretty unique in that sense at the beginning of the game we see Delta in a memory from a long time ago in the past accompanying a little sister as she roams the passages looking for Adam. Shortly after they are attacked by the Adam crazy inhabitants of Rapture known as Splicers and Delta is eventually cornered by a woman called Sophia Lamb. Lamb doesn't appear like the other inhabitants, she's clearly not an Adam addict as she seems to be pretty in control of herself and uh, she seems pretty normal in comparison to these crazy looking Splicers. Sophia Lamb accuses us of taking her daughter, the little sister we were accompanying, and using a mind control plasmid, retrieves the little sister from Delta and orders him to shoot himself in the head with a pistol.
1: Which we duly do. Ten years following these events, Delta is awoken by a vision of his little sister, who's called Eleanor. Shortly after battling through some unwelcoming splices, Delta is contacted by the scientist Bridget Tenenbaum who we mentioned earlier in the Bioshock 1 recap, who is the custodian of the rehabilitated little sisters. She has returned to Rapture as a result of feeling guilty about her part in the creation of the little sister in the first place. She urges Delta to rescue as many as he can whilst he is exploring Rapture. Tenenbaum also explains that because he has a physiological bond with Eleanor, he will die unless he finds her. No pressure, right? The physiological connection between Big Daddy and Little Sister is unique to the Delta series as it was a measure put in place by scientists to prevent the Big Daddies from abandoning the Little Sisters, which apparently was a problem during early testing.
0: That's right, you can find out some early test footage where the scientist is positing the idea of making some sort of unbreakable potentially even lethal bond between the big daddies. Because apparently they just kept on wandering off. Understandable. It seems that the creation of the Big Daddies and the Little Sisters was all done by sort of unwilling participants. You can find some early recordings in Bioshock 1 of the wife of one of the people, I think, who was captured and turned into a Big Daddy. And it definitely doesn't sound like the people that were eventually turned into Big Daddies really knew what they were getting themselves into at the time.
1: And it sounds like quite a painful process as well. Well, given the look of the larynx scraper. Yeah. Or whatever the <laughs> Yeah. F- <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not. It probably was very painful indeed. We we saw. Sort of- took it quite well though I guess
0: but I guess so yeah so that was the larynx scraper when you actually have to force yourself to become a big daddy at the end of Bioshock 1 so in this upcoming section it becomes very apparent that Sophia Lamb is now running the show in the absence of Andrew Ryan and Atlas Sophia Lamb was a psychiatrist and has implemented a very different ideological view than Ryan's Sophia is a true believer in the utilitarian idea of the greater good and she was initially invited to rapture by Andrew Ryan during its inception to act as a counselor for the population of Rapture, although at this time I understand that Ryan probably wasn't quite aware of her ideological leanings. Whilst she was in Rapture, she began spreading messages of altruism and the greater good to the inhabitants of Rapture. As you might remember, these ideals are completely incongruent with Andrew Ryan's message that a man is only entitled to what he has earned from the sweat of his own brow, and this obviously resulted in tensions between Ryan and Lamb, with the varied population of Rapture falling on either sides of the argument. Sophia Lamb now has the Adam. And- Addicted splice is under her control who she now refers to as the rapture family
1: aka a cult
0: pretty much yeah (laughs) she was beginning that cult from the early days uh, referring to the various citizens as the rapture family as well as she slowly spread her
1: message yeah so she's a wrong in this Sophia there so Delta progresses through the Adonis luxury resort picking up the lightning plasmid on the way zappy zappy where he eventually meets Bridget Tenenbaum Tenenbaum introduces Delta via radio to another supporting character in the game a man by the name of Augustus Sinclair who is essentially going to be our quest giver for the immediate future. Delta helps Tenenbaum and some little sisters escape whilst Sophia Lamb sends an army of splicers to stop them. Because she's really nice like that.
0: Yeah, she really, really doesn't want those little girls to live.
1: Or she does want them to live, but just in servitude, you know?
0: But yeah, that's right, yeah. She probably wants to capture them and turn them back into little sisters, yeah.
1: yeah. With, like, slug parasites in them or whatever. After this battle with the Splicers, Sinclair supports Delta to access the Rapture Metro, and therefore we can travel to the next area in search of Sophia and Eleanor Lamb. And this is very handy, actually, because... We just have a big old f-ing train which is good because the one thing this game does do that Bioshock 1 didn't do um, and it does it pretty much straight- in fact I think it does do it straight away is it has underwater sections.
0: Yeah absolutely it, it does do it very early on and that's obviously because you are now a big daddy you can actually afford to be underwater.
1: <laughs> yeah and I thought these were done really well. Like, yeah. The movement it's... feels good underwater the soundscape's good because it sounds what you would think it would sound like a bit silent but sort of the odd glob here and there and the physics is really good for it too so fair play well done.
0: Yeah, there's not- not really much to do in these sections other than loot a few things as you walk through, and it tends to be just sort of like a, a corridor that's disguised by various bits of stair and yeah. random bits and, and, and pieces. Yeah, stairs and coral. Yeah, but you know, I will say that it's a nice another set piece for them to add into the game. Most of them were around the threat of water flooding in in Bioshock yeah. that you'd run away from. In this one, you actually get to see it happen finally. So yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's a nice addition, especially given the context of the character that you're playing. It's like why the hell not? Given that you are currently kind of wearing a diver suit.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So this next area is blocked by ice along the metro due to the frosty deep-sea temperatures surrounding the Ever-Leaky Rapture. In this area, Delta has to battle another big daddy collect a little sister and use them to collect adam from the corpses so that he can buy a fire plasmid and melt the ice so this is a new mechanic in the game previously uh, when you were playing through as jack you would encounter a little sister you had to defeat the big daddy to rescue them at that point you would either choose to rescue them or to harvest them uh, so that you could get a larger quantity of adam so uh, rescuing them will provide you with less adam you would also get periodic gifts throughout the game that sometimes might include some perks sometimes might just include Adam as well. so And
1: more often than not both.
0: Yeah, yeah. In, in a roundabout way, you often kind of got an equal balance of Adam from helping the girls. There really wasn't much of a downside to, uh, to helping them.
1: Yeah, and I figured that would be the same in this game, which is why I'm helping them in this game too.
0: The system for actually helping the little sisters is a little different in Bioshock 2, given that you are a big daddy yourself. Uh, and there is actually additional ways to earn extra Adam if you want to. It does follow the same pattern that you have to defeat a big daddy and rescue the little sister from them at that point you can either choose to harvest them on the spot or you can choose to kind of retrieve them for a while at that point you'll place them on your back and then you can actually use them to locate corpses that have a high concentration of adam and you can begin a section where you will put the child down on the ground she'll begin syringing the adam out and you usually have to defend from one or two waves of splices that attack you at any point you can sort of return one of the little sisters to the tube once you've actually harvested either one or two of the corpses and at that point again just before you put them back in the Tube, you again have the option to either harvest them with all of the Adam that they've collected or to rescue them and turn them back into a little girl and send them towards tenenbaum and then much like bioshock one in this game you use the Adam to purchase various plasmid upgrades you can buy yourselves extra slots extra abilities and the like like that
1: more health more more eve things like that
0: in this area we also get to fight with a brand new enemy called the big sister so, this is a, a version of the Big Daddies that is a much more smaller, much more agile version. And she's also got the ability to use plasmids as well. So she can use telekinesis to surround herself with rocks and then chuck the rocks at you. It has various abilities like that. She's got lots of plunging dive attacks, and she can also move around a bit like a spider splicer and actually use things like the ceiling and other surfaces that regular enemies can't get to. Yeah,
1: she likes using fire.
0: So, uh depending on the difficulty you're playing on, these can be quite challenging fights. They're definitely, I found she's lighter weight than the Big Dad is. And if you use the combination of the right ammunition to take, Take them down. It's not too bad, but I found this to be quite an interesting and fun enemy.
1: Yeah, I think the first time was for sure. Much like with the Big Daddy is it becomes a bit formulaic. But the first fight, yeah, was I think I used four med kits of the five that you can carry. Yeah because I I was just sort of learning her moveset I wasn't hitting her very much and obviously at the start of the game you have limited options in terms of what you can do ammo wise that is but yeah very cool enemy it was nice to see a sort of quicker more agile big enemy that still hits hard and also what's really cool is because they're they're relatively rare enemies whenever they sort of come in later they get like a sort of siren that accompanies them that's right yeah you'll also often see them sort of in the background like as you're walking around corners you'll see them through windows and stuff like looking all mischievous so very cool enemy.
0: Anime. Yeah, it seems like they kind of have this omnipresence just by getting to see them in the background as opposed to like a Mr. X style hearing them stomp around the building after yeah. you so seeing as we're talking about the combat let's run through a couple of the weapons that you get in the game so being a big daddy obviously you are not equipped with the same arsenal as jack oh no no a simple pistol and a pump action shotgun is uh not the sort of arms that a big daddy likes to use so uh, the first weapon that you're equipped with in the game is actually the drill hand the iconic drill hand from the big daddies of bioshock one it's uh, actually a weapon that you do need to find fuel and you do seem to chug through the fuel very quickly with this weapon it's Seems quite difficult to keep topped up. But you are able to do a kind of swinging punching attack or a regular drill attack by holding the button down. Have you gotten much use out of this, James?
1: Not really since the first few missions, if I'm honest, but you can do a cool thing because you get the first plasmid you get, as we've mentioned, is the Zappy Zappy Electric one. And you can do Zappy Zappy attack, and then if you hit them straight away, it's kind of double damage. Yeah,
0: that's right, yeah.
1: Before you get a gun, that's really handy. But since then, I've only used it sort of sparingly.
0: So shortly after getting our drill, we also get the Rivet gun in the game, which is another. Another very cool weapon, gives you a bit yeah, more of a range, and uh, it does a hell of a lot of damage, i got to say. Headshots really do count for a lot more in this game, but the uh, main benefit is the fact that you get various different ammo types.
1: And this is the first weapon I actually fully upgraded as well because I really like the fire rate I like the size of the clip when you can extend it and the final upgrade is basically it just makes it a flaming weapon because it heats up your rivets that's right yeah and you can set organics on fire and it's just so useful and it's got good range it's just a very very solid gun
0: but you also get additional ammunition that you can actually shoot traps with so by doing that you'll actually have laser beams that will shoot out the wall and any enemies that walk past these will then get sort of shot by a, a rivet that comes out of the wall.
1: Alternatively, you can also chuck it on someone's leg and then when they walk past another enemy, they both get hit. Yeah, it's that's really right. Cool. Yeah,
0: that works as well. Yeah, just fire yeah. a load into a group and it will uh, get them both. Yeah, it is a very yeah. useful weapon, particularly during those sections where you're carting the little sister around and using her to collect Adam. A lot of the time, actually, I just kind of layer the walls with these things and then call in the little sister and it's at least a good 30 seconds before anyone actually makes it through the lines of defense, which is quite satisfying. Yeah. Just hearing them all ping off in the background The third ammunition type you get for the rivet gun being the heavy rivet, which is, as its name implies, just a much more heavy, damaging version of the regular one. Very good for taking down big daddies, and uh, you're going to take down any regular enemy in a single shot.
1: Yeah, very slow rate of fire, though.
0: Yeah, that's true. The rate of fire absolutely slows down. It becomes much more of a fire a shot, duck behind cover, and fire another one when you get a minute type
1: of approach. So it's the one I actually use the least in the rivet gun, because I use a different weapon for heavy hitting.
0: Yeah. Another really new fun addition to the game is the remote hacking device Uh, so this is a device that changes up the way that the hacking works in the game gone are the days of solving a pipe puzzle to get the blue fluid from A to B Uh, this time you actually it's more of a timing based thing where there is a a dial that passes over various different colours along a line and you need to get it to either land on the blue or the green lines to ensure that you get a successful hack if you land it on the blue lines you get a bonus you want to avoid the red lines because that will trigger an alarm and the white lines
1: you get a little shock.
0: Yeah, you get a little You get zap. a little
1: shock, lose some hell.
0: Typically, you have about four to five seconds to solve these, and the dial will be moving at various speeds to kind of make the hacking game slightly harder for different scenarios.
1: Yeah, but it's four or five seconds per round of dials. There's really no time pressure at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, unless you've got really bad timing.
1: Yeah, unless you're really... But the other thing that I ha- I do have an issue with this mechanic, but it's, it's probably not that big a deal, and it really doesn't affect the game that much. But I have definitely seen my needle go on the edge... Of of like a group let's say there's four blue lines i've got it in one of the edge ones and it's can it's counted as a shot
0: well i agree i've actually had that myself as well yeah on the very end one just just in yeah
1: So it's like the first one i'm like okay yeah i might have mistimed that the second one i'm like i'm pretty sure that's in the lines the third one is like okay you, that is definitely, definitely in the, in the line. <laughs> like what's going on here so that's kind of annoying but otherwise i agree it's definitely a lot less frustrating than that pipe puzzle and the other thing that's cool about this hacking is as opposed to the pipe puzzle where you'd pause your game and you do the pipe puzzle, you actually stay in real time in this. Yeah, exactly. So you can still move about, you can still you can be hacking whilst shooting if your brain works that way, basically.
0: And it allows some really cool stuff as well, like the fact that you don't get shot by the turrets because you can kind of lean out of cover, shoot it, then duck back into cover and
1: hack yeah, it. Yeah. Really cool stuff. Exactly.
0: And also, have you had an opportunity to play with the mini turrets that you can fire from the remote hacking device?
1: Yes, I, I put them to very good use in uh, the very last thing we do in this. I didn't use them much, but they, I did something really cool, in my opinion, on the final bit, which we'll get into. Did you get much of your sight of them? I did. Because you, you get them relatively late in where we were playing to, to be fair.
0: You do. There's a couple of opportunities to find some really sneak and hidden away ones, but for the most part, yeah, yeah they become regularly available towards the uh, the section where
1: we'll finish on.
0: Uh, we also get a uh, a little machine gun, a little Gatling gun there for the big daddies. That's something that we have. <laughs> and haven't...
1: when you say little, you mean... Absolutely f-
0: massive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was a welcome surprise. I'd completely forgotten that there were quite so many like-for-like replacements for some of the lighter armaments that you use in the first Bioshock. Giving you a Gatling gun really does make you feel like a full-scale Big Daddy, and it's something that you don't actually get to see the Big Daddy's wield in the initial Bioshock either.
1: No, and it's especially great when it's fully upgraded as well. The three ammo types on this are hands down the most useful so far that I've found, and I love the rivet gun, right? Armor-piercing and anti-personnel rounds are the two alternate ammos for this. Armor piercing just cleans through a big daddy. Like it's, yeah, it's it really embarrassing does, yeah. how quickly it is. Also
0: really good for turrets if you want to destroy them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then anti-personnel is just great for some of the tougher splicers, like the spider splicer. It just completely tears through it.
0: Agreed, yeah. No, it's a great replacement for the Tommy gun that they included in Bioshock 1.
1: And the other cool thing, just very quickly, whilst talking about all these weapons, because it does affect all of them, because they're built for a big daddy, they all sort of have like really cool designs where they've got like an arm harness, and it's huge, and it's got loads of straps on it, and you can just imagine it just clipping onto your arm and shoulder. It's really cool.
0: Uh, And we'll just round off. We'll talk very quickly about the Double Barrel shotgun, which basically, is, if anyone has ever played Doom, it represents the super shotgun from Doom. It's an yeah. absolute killer weapon absolutely lethal at close range still pretty good at medium range and it also offers much like many of the other guns in the game an option between regular ammo and i've only encountered
1: phosphorus ammo so far which
0: sets yeah, enemies same. on fire but i imagine that down the line we may well see some new ammo types for that as well
1: and i use this one mainly for mobs i've got to say it's very good for just busting around and just killing things in one hit yeah particularly if you get the upgrade for the six shot magazine rather than the two shot that makes all the difference
0: i really like the way that a lot of these weapons uh particularly in bioshock one but so for instance in this one the double barrel it's quite a traditional looking gun but the moment that you start unlocking upgrades for this it actually makes a visual difference to the weapons and all of a sudden there's cogs ticking and whirring on it and you know it really is cool to see your upgraded loadout in comparison to your initial
1: loadout it does make a huge difference same with the machine gun and the river gun much more immersive yeah the only other weapon I found apart from that was the spear gun
0: yeah the spear gun is another very good tool but it does need some upgrading it does not do enough damage on initial pickup which is a shame because I feel like that gun should be your kind of boss ender weapon from the get-go.
1: No, it's kind of a sniper rifle to begin with. It is, it's your long-range weapon. It's the only one you can zoom, isn't it? It's
0: the only one you can zoom and it's a
1: long-range weapon. But yeah, I can't see myself using that much throughout the game, to be honest.
0: So, I think that's probably enough chat about the weapons there. Let's uh, get back to the story. Uh, So, shortly after defeating the Big Sister in our first encounter, we then board the Rapture Metro once again onto the
1: next area. Yes, and where is this next area, we hear you ask? Well, we arrive at Pauper's drop. And uh, this is one of the places that we mentioned earlier, is where some of the poorest people of Rapture resided. Sophia Lamb has blocked any further travel by hiding the key needed for this part of the metro. She's actually left it with one of her generals, as it were. That's right. But before we get to that, we encounter a new type of enemy called a Brute Splicer, who's basically a big sort of hulking mass of muscle and human. And uh, we sort of get introduced to this because he uh, actually smashes down a wall that blocks a corridor where we need to go. So, nice and do that but to do this and clear the path we need to find out a bit more about these brutes so off we go to get a research camera which people who have played the first game and or people who listen to our review of the challenge um, will know is basically the same thing as we got last time where we got a film camera like a physical camera this one's actually more of a recordy video camera
0: i mean the uh so the the photo you would often have to try and catch a splicer in action doing something like attacking you or being under the effects of one of your plasmids whereas this one it seems to be the moment you start to capture it it opens up a recording window yeah and within that time you get bonuses is for using the largest variation of attacks. So using multiple plasmids and multiple weapons on the same enemy will grant you more experience towards your next level of research. And each level of research, much like the original game, it kind of grants you sometimes additional plasmids or perks that you can use. Other times it will just grant you additional information on what you can use to damage the enemies, as well as sometimes a damage increase as well.
1: Yeah, and the most useful thing for me, increasing the size of your wallet, because Absolutely. the six hundred dollar limit was pissing me off. Yeah, there's so. a lot of <laughs>
0: for only $500, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, so to get this camera, we travel to downtown and uh, we actually find it sort of hidden in a kiosk.
0: So in this area also resides a woman that James mentioned earlier by the name of Grace Holloway. The General. Grace Holloway was a former jazz singer who was actually blacklisted by Andrew Ryan, the founder of Rapture, for singing songs critical of his running of things. She eventually became one of Sophia Lamb's Rapture family and the overseer of Paupers Drop. She hates Delta as she believes him to be the cause of Sophia Lamb's kidnapping daughter eleanor she was actually with her when eleanor was taken after some time past since eleanor's kidnapping grace holloway claims that she saw eleanor after having been turned into a little sister walking along a passageway with delta this is her reason for hating delta and sending various splices to attack him throughout this whole section as you can hear she's speaking across the loudspeakers the whole time goading everyone to attack you telling everyone that you have no soul and you're a monster and a demon and things like that.
1: Yeah, which was actually a surprise to me because you find a recording of her in the previous mission and she sounds like the most friendly person.
0: You can tell, yeah, that she was. You can tell that Rapture really broke her and uh, the years of Civil War completely changed her identity.
1: But um, after defeating a couple of the brutes that she sent after us and making sure to record the action using our camera, of course, um, Delta unlocks the ability to drill charge by sort of getting enough research information on one of the brutes that we were talking earlier. Now this drill charge is both really useful in combat and is also going to help us remove that annoying rubble that was blocking our path so we backtrack break the rubble and now it's time to head to grace holloway's hideout which is in the sinclair deluxe area which is actually a hotel that was previously owned by our good buddy augustus sinclair and uh, we go there because grace is the keeper of the key that we need to reopen the metro gate allowing us to continue our journey so we work our way up the hotel we kill a bunch of people and we eventually make our way to grace holloway's little hideout room which at the top of the room of the hotel. When we get there, she's actually sort of relatively calm. She sort of puts the key on the table for us and sort of says, well, go on then, take it. And, you know, I'm an old lady. I'm not going to fight you, basically.
0: Yeah, she says uh, she doesn't want us touching her. <laughs> she just- yeah. She despises us that much
1: but at this point you actually have a moral choice to make you can either take the key off her table and then kill her dead bit of revenge she's been trying to kill you all this time to be fair or you can go the route that i personally went which is you can just sort of walk off and completely ignore her and that simple act actually changes her view on you and then she actually starts helping you rather than being a hindrance you had me under a gun yet you just walk away No monster alive turns the other cheek. Much like the
0: little sisters, Grace then starts leaving you little gifts around, as well as during your escape from a later section, she actually provides you with some elite robot turrets that will fly around and help you fight off the enemies.
1: What choice did you make just while we're talking about it?
0: Uh, so I did save her as well because uh, much like you I've kind of come to the conclusion that there really is no downside to doing the right thing in this game and there certainly is no upside to killing her in this game. I think it changes a minor detail in the game slightly further down the line but other than that I just assume that she doesn't help you later down so really you know that, that wasn't a hard decision to make there. Pretty obvious to save Grace right? Kill the elderly lady who's just kind of Giving you the key to move on to the next area or just leave. I- <laughs> It's a pretty easy decision. Maybe I should actually turn this round and I should actually start harvesting all the little sisters just so I can see uh, the alternate ending because I assume like the first one that this will at some point result in an alternate ending. Must do. I suppose I'll do that. Okay, from here on out, I'll pick all the douchey options then just like I did in Mass Effect.
1: (laughs) Fair play. You're going to have a lot of Adam. Well, to be fair, I don't actually know how much more you get. Yeah, me either,
0: honestly. I think I only did Bioshock 1 uh, on the bad ending. Just the once.
1: You want to be good in this game. You really do. It's already like a dystopian town isn't it the
0: thing that you're choosing to execute is a little girl you just feel like you have to really go out of your way to be a mean douche in this one
1: little girl with a creepy voice though let's be (laughs) real That's true. But she doesn't have the creepy Uh, voice once you rescue her. But no, so regardless of what you do, we then escape the hotel, head back onto the metro and we're off on our journey again.
0: So after our metro ride, Delta now arrives in Siren Alley. This area has been flooded and heavily damaged during uh, the unrest that has taken place over the years in Rapture. And in order to get through it, Delta will need to do some maintenance.
1: It's worth noting though that we didn't just turn up in Siren Alley. We actually got torpedoed.
0: That's right. Yeah, I actually uh, (laughs) omitted that minor detail there but as you're riding yeah. the Metro you're welcomed by i believe it's simon wales who fires yeah. a torpedo at you knocking you out of the metro and damaging that part of the line
1: yeah and this mother is just some religious fanatic it's, it's really well played actually the character
0: yeah yeah uh, honestly so, actually it's one thing that i haven't said yet but all of the voice acting in this game throughout the dialogues of all the voice recording is oh, yeah. really top-notch really really top-notch
1: yeah no you're absolutely right the people that need to sound creepy do the people that need to sound friendly do delta's first
0: objective is to locate a pump that will drain some water and after doing so we'll also need to defeat some tough enemies in the area who Sophia Lam has convinced to hunt Delta down. Whilst exploring we first hunt down Daniel Wales who is the brother of Simon Wales the guy who torpedoed us out of the metro. The Wales brothers were actually the architects who built Rapture in the first place under the Wales and Wales Architects Company. The firm was obviously very successful up until uncovering the truth that their architecture design caused the structures to leak and is a result of a lot of the leaks that we see around Rapture today. So when the company lost their credit and went out of business upon discovering the faults with their architecture, Simon Wales felt very guilty for his selfish ways and actually sought counselling with Sophia Lamb. Shortly after, he found a religion, starting up a church to help others who felt the same way. His brother Daniel, on the other hand, took to running the Pink Pearl Brothel and became a heavy alcoholic.
1: So off we go to find the Wales brothers. First on our list, we uh, we head to the Pink Pearl Brothel to find Daniel Wales because we need a code uh, for a door to get through to the. Main church where Simon Wales is and Daniel has this code we get to the pink pub brothel which is incidentally where we find the spear gun that we were talking about earlier have a few fights and eventually get to Daniel Wales who is just hilarious in how drunk and mad he is have a relatively easy fight I, I, there wasn't too much difficulty with this but this is where the spider slices are sort of introduced and they're quite a tough enemy they're very quick
0: yeah I feel like they've been improved a little bit since uh, the first game and they feel quite a bit different to the regular splices whereas occasionally they were kind of blending with the bunch on the Original game,
1: hundred percent. They're a lot more erratic in this one and a bit bigger too. Yeah, but yes, we kill all those lot dead. We finish off Daniel Wales and we finally find the voice recording on his corpse that says that the code is nineteen nineteen, relating to the era of a vintage bottle of wine that his brother had left for him. So we head back to the church area. We input the code and we go through to kill old Simon Wales. This fight was a bit more interesting, but essentially he's just a spider splicer, so nothing really too. Yeah, extreme. yeah a
0: spider splicer with a big chunky elf bar, yeah,
1: and a hat, yeah. But yeah so we defeat Simon and we retrieve a pump control key from his corpse and we use it to normalize the pressure levels in the area now Sophia isn't very happy with this and she actually remotely alters the pressure again causing the whole area to flood and this was actually really cool because you're sort of in a running back to the train scene while the whole room gets flooded and like the whole area gets flooded and eventually you do end up underwater yeah as the door completely
0: buckles under the pressure of the water yeah it's really cool it's really
1: well done this bit we push past all the flood flooding hallways and passages, and when we escape, And we end up in the next area, which is called Dionysus Park. And that, listeners, is where we're going to leave it for this week. Come back next week for part two. The conclusion of Bioshock 2. Suspense. Drama. Intrigue. It's all there in Bioshock 2. I know, we're teasing you. So we've played basically the first half of the game there, man. How have you found it so far? Enjoying it by the sounds of it?
0: Yeah, no, I really am enjoying it. And uh, I feel like I perhaps judged this one a little unfairly after playing it the first time through all those years ago go uh bioshock one as i've constantly said to you is one of my number one games of that gen yeah. if not probably my number one game of that gen and then bioshock 2 always felt so on the side of it in my opinion that i never really gave it the room that it needed to breathe i think that i was initially quite put off by the amount of sections where you have to get the little sister around and defend her but also now recognizing that that's totally optional and only really affects yeah. the amount of adam you get is actually quite a game changer although i gotta say uh, i have been sort of plotting those routes a lot more and enjoying them a lot more this time around honestly i think that this one it's really shaping up to kind of match bioshock one in terms of how much i like and respect those games very fair i think that some of the background information that you get and the lore building that it does on bioshock one is really cool there's a little bit where you go for a museum that andrew ryan has dedicated to a shrine of himself i think it was meant to be like an amusement arcade before but he's just made it more like an ode to himself through various presentations and light shows. One of the things you get to see is actually how Rapture was initially constructed by like a sunken platform into the ground that was then built around and the way they ferried things to and from.
1: Really interesting stuff. That's very cool.
0: What about you, man? How are you finding this one, having completed Bioshock 1 not all that long ago and now moving on to 2? Are
1: you enjoying the uh, extra firepower that you get as a big daddy? I am, yeah. I mean, I don't want to compare the two just yet because obviously I want to finish this one first. But so far, so good. I'm actually... I feel like I'm taking my time a little bit more with this one because I haven't got the same time constraints with the challenge. Yeah, yeah. As a result, I am getting more into the lore than I possibly did in the last one. and It's all really interesting. As you say, that amusement park slash shrine to Andrew Ryan was really cool like you could press the little buttons and get the light shows and things and sort of bits of story so that was very cool and I I, as I've sort of intimated before I also I really like the sort of underwater bits I like the added threat that the leaks can actually now burst and you can have that and it's really cool I will say the performance on PC is a a little sketchy it seems to be rougher on this version doesn't
0: it I've had a few issues both in terms of crashes and also just a couple bugs I did actually just have an enemy completely blink out of sight and disappear Just once, but it did happen. (laughs)
1: I haven't had any of that I've had crashes normally when there's actually quite a lot going on like one of the crashes notably was I think if it wasn't the Daniel Wales fight it was just before on the floor below there's a bit where there's like a turret down one end of a corridor there's a corpse that you can harvest Adam from and then everyone just comes and attacks you and I think just it became a bit too much for the game and it crashed oh okay okay because I was using the machine gun as well so there there was a lot going on yeah and the game just literally crashed and like you restart it and that's probably happened two or three times a couple of times just randomly though so it's obviously not the fact that there was loads going on really it hasn't impacted too much I mean there's a lot of games that crash randomly for no reason
0: especially on PC (laughs) Yeah,
1: and I've been lucky because I'm quick saving a lot anyway as a result of the fact that I'm playing with vita chambers disabled so I don't have that auto save function quite as good so I'm doing it basically after every fight so I didn't lose too much progress in any of them so it hasn't really impacted me that badly so no so far so good I'm really enjoying the range of weapons and I'm looking forward Seeing how they all continue to evolve as I upgrade them. Looking forward to the second half of the game.
0: Awesome, man. I couldn't agree more with you. Really looking forward to next week when we get to the finale. Okay, man, that is the end of Completionist Corner and the end of the show. Once again, for the people in the back, let's lay out the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode.
1: We also post regular video content of our playthrough stream highlights as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM.
0: And you can find me at Hudafunk on Twitter and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash whodafunk. Once again, a very special thank you to all of our listeners. We appreciate you. We see you every week. We see you. And uh, it really does make our weeks, and uh, it reminds us why we do this. So thank you very much.
1: Sending all the positive vibes to you, lovely people.
0: And with that said, James, I think we're done for another week. We'll see you next time. Until then, goodbye, everyone.